Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, welcome back to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Greg Bryan. I'm joined with my other co-host, Jim Reske, and my good friend. The three of us tonight are going to be discussing the letter of 2 Timothy. It's a really powerful letter written by the Apostle Paul. It's actually his final words, the final things that we have from the Apostle Paul in writing because shortly after this letter, he was he was in prison and he was beheaded by Nero. So um, this was his letter. We call it a pastoral epistle because it was written to kind of uh, a guy he was mentoring, Timothy. And these are his his in his words uh, to Timothy, kind of his final words and. It's just really cool because it's very gospel centered. Um, so welcome, welcome guys, and um, you know, Jim, do you have any comments about the just the the overall letter itself? Uh, yeah, sure, Greg. I was like you, I was picking up on uh, uh, some uh, outlines, just finding some outlines, thinking about it. I like this one that said it broke into four parts: a commendation and charge, a commission to fulfill, a conflict to face, a course to finish. So just different ways to kind of break up. Uh, there's lots of those kinds of ways to out outline the book and think of the major structure of the book. But like you said, it's so it seems so intensely personal uh, because Paul has poured his life into Timothy, and and you could just hear him reaching out and exhorting him to kind of keep the faith, preach the word, and um, you know stay strong in the faith. And uh, I, I'm super excited to go through this tonight. And then um, and I, I think actually tonight we're going to start. Uh, calling Felix by his nickname, uh, Ali. Uh, so uh, Ali, welcome and join us. I don't know if you had any thoughts up front too. Thank you. I'm super excited to be part of this podcast again. And finally, you know, everybody knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> so right. yeah, uh, I, I also feel like, uh, you know, since the last couple of months have been super busy for me because of my education. So I'm just excited to dive back into the Word. I feel like for, for a few months, I haven't been able to read the Bible as much as I'd like to, and I'm you know looking forward to it. Oh, Ali, this is going to be a good one for you then, because it's, it's going through it again, like it just if you're ready for tonight. There are so many memory verses in this that uh, I went through like in, in college and so many great nuggets to pull out of it, and, um, and so much about the Word itself that um it's a it's a kind of, you're, you're gonna love it it's gonna be really refreshing for you awesome and so Greg, what we talked about doing is uh, tonight is just read, read read a chapter we will read a chapter uh and then each of us kind of pick one verse that stands out and then we'll go on to the next one and kind of go through it that way if that's okay i think that's the way to do it because otherwise we could be here for hours because there's so much there's so much great content in these <laughs> in these verses fortunately we we only have four chapters so let's go ahead and do that. Uh, Jim, would you mind reading chapter one? Uh, no, just got to pull it up here. And I'm going to be reading. This is uh, 
would you call it the Navigator All-Star Bible? This is oh, is this Bible. NASB? Yeah, this is NASB. This is the Navigator All-Star Bible. <laughs> yes, oh, otherwise cool. known, some people refer to it as the New American Standard. But here, I'll, just, I'll, I'll read the whole chapter, chapter one. And then uh, as I'm going through, uh, um, think about a favorite verse and we'll talk about it. Second Timothy chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the sound, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant him, the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered to me at Ephesus. Thanks, Jim. Well, I'll get us started here. Um, there's a lot of great verses I could pick from this chapter, but Right now, the thing that's jumping out at me is verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Man, I just like that because it's just a reminder of the power of the gospel that, um, God did something for us that we could never do for ourselves. We could never save ourselves. Um, and that's, and yet that's what a lot of people try to do. They try to save themselves. They try to work their way um, to, to God and to, to get into heaven. And I just love this reminder that Paul gives Timothy that it was God who did it. God who did the work. Um and it's, you know, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Um, the whole idea of grace, you know, and the grace and the gospel kind of go hand in hand because grace is unmerited favor. It's, there's nothing we did, nothing we do to earn that. 
you know, it's just a gift. Um, and I also think it's interesting that Paul says that this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That's kind of interesting because sometimes when you read the story in Genesis, it looks like we screwed up. Like, you know, God had this perfect plan. He created Adam and Eve. And then uh, they rebelled against God and that brought sin into the world. And it looks like, it looks like, um, you know, everything got messed up and it was all our fault. And yet here we see that no, that didn't surprise God that he had a plan from the beginning of, you know, from all eternity. Um, he knew what was going to happen before it did. And it was always his plan to send his son, you know, to die in our place so that we might, you know, have a relationship with him. And so I just, that's the verse that stands out to me. And, you know, we talk about being a gospel addict and how powerful the gospel is, not just to save us, but, but also to sanctify us. And he says that he saved us and called us to live a holy life. The only reason, the only way we can live that holy life is with the, with the gospel. Um, so those are my thoughts, Jim, what are you thinking? Yeah. So I just want to follow right on. I, I, you're right. In reading it now, as you were describing it, it reminds me of Romans 5, 8, right? God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the secrets of the gospel, right? So, and it comes right out in verse in 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, that he called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, right? He had already, it was already his purpose to give us that grace. It's, it's totally by his gift. And then in response, Right. That's this. That's the whole concept, the importance of sequence of the gospel. We we do live a, want to live a holy life. We want to live a life that pleases him. We want to turn our back on our sin and follow him, but not in order to gain his favor, because it's because we already have his favor. So for me, Greg, that's what I want to follow on because my verse is the one right after verse 10. Because right after that thought, he says, you know, um, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I just, I love it. The words are like poetry, you know, you just, and you can hear it. I mean, he's in chains, he's in prison. Some of the commentators see he was like, he wasn't in house prison, like he had been in prison before. He was like in a dark, you know, dark and cold prison. Because later we'll read where he says, bring the cloak with me, like I'm cold here in this prison. And uh, he still has his words, incredible poetic words of hope, all driven by the gospel, right? Jesus abolished death as a guy who's about to die and knows he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he's still, and he's been doing this his whole life, but he's fascinated. Uh, but we do it. It's just, he was calling anyway, but he's, he's still enthralled and fascinated by the gospel. And what we always say, Greg, here in the gospel addict podcast, it's not the gospel is not the ABCs of the Christian life. It's the A to Z of the Christian life. It's driving Paul's whole life and giving him, just this tremendous hope, even as he's facing, as he's facing death and 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 in reveling in his Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death. So I I I just I just love that. Amen. That's that's awesome. I was I, I was actually kind of thinking along the similar lines. I mean, imagine how much faith Paul had in Jesus that even in such a situation he was you know he was strong in his faith 
uh, with Jesus. Because, I mean, we're all sitting in a comfortable place. Imagine if we are put in that kind of situation. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really do believe in Jesus. But when you're put in that kind of a situation, I don't know how I'm going to react. So that's 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 what I was thinking, that how much faith Paul had in Jesus. And, it's and hard just, to, yeah. yeah. It, well, and the thing is, you know, he was in, this was, a, um, he's been in prison before, and, and at other times he was like under house arrest. This time he was literally in a hole in the ground. Wow. Like he was being fed um, from above and exposed to the elements. He had no like, you know, place to go to the bathroom. I mean, he was like in a, in a tiny room, probably the worst kind of prison situation you could think of. And yet he's writing this with such strong faith. But I'm sorry I interrupted you, Ali. Yeah. So my favorite verse is actually uh, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And that's mainly because for a very long time, I battled with myself in revealing uh, my faith and, you know, how everybody knows what my background has been. So, and then, you know, it took me a while once I grew strong enough with, with Christ that I realized that there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually a pride to be a follower of Christ and uh, by identifying myself as a follower of Christ, I'm actually, you know, highlighting him and, uh, you know, reflecting him in, in my life, in my transformation as as a person, as a human being. And I, I think I felt, you know, I could be one of those who people could learn from, you know, how a person can change just by uh, the inspiration that jesus christ brings in your life so i think that's that's why that's one of my favorite verses i like that's that's it's, that's great that's inspiring because we you know your background coming from uh, a, a different faith but also your current situation i don't know if our listeners know you're uh, the phd program at a secular university we don't have to name the university but <laughs> you but you know you get into a small program like that where you can you can get to a, and I, I saw this once before with a, a distant relative who got into a, a, that kind of program. It was a very scientific program and everyone just laughed at him for his faith. Just laughed. Mm-hmm. At him. I can't believe you believe that for those fairy tales. And he walked away from the faith. It was like, it, would, you know, it was just too much. And yeah. he became ashamed of the gospel, ashamed of the gospel. So yeah. for this to strike you at this moment in your life, you say, mm-hmm. You know, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? Do not be ashamed of the testament of the Lord of me. I'm thinking of also in Romans where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's, it's the power of God for salvation. That's a meaningful verse for all of us, but I think just think about you and your situation right now. Yeah, and, you know, just to share something of, from my personal story from, from college is that, uh, from my PhD program, is that I actually experienced, and I'm still experiencing a professor who is a theory professor. And, uh, surprisingly enough, theory professors do not tend to believe in God. They actually believe in theory. Mm. So, and there's this one guy who's like, you know, he's he explains there's a theory for everything. There's a theory for human existence. And I and I he I I've, I kind of figured where he was going with that. And that's when I designed this wallpaper for my 
for my computer, which said Jesus saves. And I put and I put it on my desktop all the times. And even like when he's looking at my desktop. So just to embrace uh, the love of God and feel feel confident in him that, you know, you, you're, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You should be, not be happy. Yeah, you should not be ashamed. And even though I know that he's not a believer, but I felt like that's one way of telling him without telling him that I'm a follower of Christ, without saying it out loud in the class. Yeah. But everybody looks at it. And a couple of my Muslim friends actually were very surprised looking at the wallpaper. And they're like, what is this all about? And then I explained it to them, which was very, uh, with quite a, quite a conversation. So I, I feel like it's important to embrace God because for, and, and for me, it's different because for everything that has changed in my life ever since I started following Jesus. So I want other people to have the same joy as Greg says, you know, he wanted me to have that joy. And I feel like now it's my responsibility to pass on that joy to other people. And that's how it is. Fantastic. That's what people don't understand. A lot of times is that we want people to, to experience the same peace and joy and love and experience Jesus the way we've experienced them. We want to share that. We want to share that in the best way. Not we're not like trying to preach at people or convert people. Yeah. We're just we're just trying to share, um, you know, the best news ever, right? With sure. them. So let's move on to chapter two. I'll read this this chapter. I think this is the longest chapter. Okay. And then um, Ali, I might ask you to read chapter three. Okay. So let's. Uh, I'll read chapter which, two, though. Which version are you guys reading? Just tell me that again. Well, actually, he was reading the New American Standard. I'm reading the NIV, which okay. is the Navigator-inspired version. I'll switch to NIV, which is the New International Version. <laughs> the New International <laughs> Version. All right. Um, I got that one. So, um, chapter two. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. 
Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hynemaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must, gen must be gen gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So that's chapter two, guys. Um, which there's so many good verses in this chapter. Which one are you going to pick tonight? Well, I'll, I'll go, Greg. I, I, uh, I, I'm right off the bat. I'm tempted to pick verse two, but I can, as a, as a good navigator, I can leave that for you. Cause that's kind of a cornerstone verse about disciple making. Um, uh, gosh, it's so hard to choose. Uh, but I'm going to go with the last two verses at the end, especially the last verse. Um, because it talks about gent with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. I think of those verses as I'm, sometimes as I'm sharing Christ with people, people like walked away from the faith or considering the faith, but especially people that are like Christians that have kind of walked away from the faith and they're just getting you know blinded by the world and ensnared by the devil and your your and the prayer i just there's such pathos in this prayer he was just empathizing with him you could hear him like agonizing for the people that i just you know he's not he's not saying to them if i wish they would you know i want them to hear these words so they can clean up their act and shape up and and be good people um and and so they could be better religious people and and uh, not be so bad uh, he's saying, I want them to get repentance that leads to the knowledge of the truth, the gospel, and come to their senses, come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. And, and for those of us who believe, it's like, it's, it's when you, when you, when you, when the Holy Spirit comes in, you as a Christian, you start tasting the word. It's like, it makes such perfect sense. And you see the whole world differently. And. What, and you see that the people who are walking away from it just are getting blinded by the world. And you just pray that they would just come to their senses and kind of wake up from that. And 
you know, because ours is ours is a it, it, ours is not a blind faith. Ours is a really reasonable faith. Uh, in fact, with more time, I think the only reasonable faith, uh, the only reasonable way to, to to look at the world. Anyway, I just I love this, and I when I I and I often actively think of these verses and talk to someone. Lord, please help them come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Um, so those are my that's my that's my choice. Okay, before Ali shares, I want to just make some comments on the verse you chose here. At the end of this verse, it says. Um, escape the tra trap of the devil who is taking them captive to do his will there's kind of a parallel passage and it's luke chapter 5 when um jesus you know the the guys are fishing fishing and they can't f catch anything and then um jesus says let your let your nets over here they catch this huge amount of fish well at the end of that in chapter 5 verse 10 he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And that word catch men is that phrase catch men is like the same as being take, taken captive. And oh. I read a, I think it was a devotional one time that said, use these phrases and said, it's like uh, the phrase taking men alive. Because when, when you're, when you're catching fish, you catch them alive. And he's like, from now on, you're not going to catch fish. You're going to catch men. You're going to take them alive for God. But there's somebody else who wants to take men alive. And when I say men, I mean men and women, obviously. Right. Um, and that that person wants to take them captive as well. And that's and that's the the devil. So there's um, that that verse you chose, Jim, is um, very. I mean, it's just it's just kind of interesting. Jesus wants to take men men alive, and and the the devil wants to take men alive. Yeah. Just so Ali, what about you? Which uh, what what verse would you pick? So mine is actually verse twenty two. It says, "Flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord, out of a pure heart." And I feel like it's a simple verse, but once you start following Christ, it is something of a challenge. It's a struggle because especially like looking in the modern world, we are surrounded by so many, so many evil things that it's so easy to get distracted. And I feel like if the Bible has discussed it such a long time ago, that means that God knew what he was talking about. So he knew that, you know, times ahead would be even worse and there will be even more temptations out there. So I feel like in that, in, in that sense, it's a very, it's a very special verse because it kind of warns you what is out there and what is out there to get you. And in just the, these simple words, the God has kind of warned you to follow the right path. That's why I feel like it's a very important verse and sometimes also very hard to practice because, you know, it's easy to get distracted, especially in your youth, especially when you're young. You know, you're, you have so many other things. I look at college kids right now and, and I just pray about them because this is, I, I tell you what, the college that I am, <laughs> it is a seriously party town. I mean, Kent is nothing compared to what this is. And I was just like looking at it and I was like, wow 
if only if people could understand the the power of Jesus Christ in their youth because if you understand I'm, I'm like I feel like I'm so lucky to understand that in at, at such a young age because all these lessons will live with me for a very long time so I feel like in your youth it's important to follow the path that's great man and I, I, I think it's interesting that he, he, he actually, and he's giving this advice to Timothy, who's like a young, you know, uh, minister of the gospel. And he's, and he say, he uses the word flee, like run away. Run like yeah. when you're, when you're, uh, you know, don't go. Yeah. Just, just run away, do whatever you can to avoid um, falling into those, those uh, temptations and traps. So that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that, Ali. So I'm going to, you know, Jim, you pick two verses. I'm going to pick two verses and I'm going to pick chapter two, verses one and two. Okay. I like verse one. It's so short. It's a, it's, but it's so powerful. You then my son, and that just shows his relationship, how much he cared about Timothy. Um, you then my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I think that that's, when I think about our podcast, I think that's what we're talking about, being a gospel addict, be strong. Part of being a gospel addict is being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because he's telling Timothy this as a believer. Right. He's saying believer to believer, Timothy, don't forget, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, learn the rules and make sure you follow them all. He's pointing Timothy back to the gospel. Yeah. And I just think that's so powerful. And then he talks about verse two and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who also be qualified to teach others. The whole idea of spiritual multiplication and discipleship. It's my job to pass on my faith to other people so that they pass on the faith and we just keep we keep multiplying. The gospel spreads through multiplication, not addition. I want to pass on as much as I can to you so that you can pass it on to other people and just keep multiplying it out. There's actually four generations mentioned in that verse. There's Paul to Timothy, Timothy to reliable people, and then others. And so you see the four generations there, which is pretty powerful. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.